You know, you have to be willing to be embarrassed. You have to be willing to walk in humility. That your pride is not as important as a person's soul. You know? So good. That's really what it boils down to. But as I said before, when you when you take that step out there and you find that person that God is really working in, I mean, your heart is so, I don't know, it's just like there's, you'll go home probably more excited for that conversation than anything that ever happened to you that day because you saw the Lord move in the life of another person. It's just amazing to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Thank you all for joining us today. Today, I am joined with my friend, Kurt Martin, pastor at Alliance Christian Center Church. Sir, how are you doing today? Doing great, Eric. And it's really a blessing for us to be here. We'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, um, I'm i going to have you kick us off in prayer okay. before we dive into our topic today. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just ask you to cause this time to be beneficial, Lord, for your glory, for your purpose, for your kingdom. I pray that as we share and discuss your word and your ways and your heart, that would just impact everybody who listens in some way that would bring change to their life. I ask you for your grace and your blessing upon this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, Amen. sir. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the drive down to meet me in Lakewood, Ohio. So (laughs) I typically commandeer New Life Church when I need an on-site recording space. So (laughs) so I'm looking for studio space right now before Pastor Bob is kicking me out of here one day. (laughs) So I know you and I have a lot to talk about. I don't, I'm just going to dive right into it. So, um, cause one of the things I definitely want to talk to you about is, is the no place left. I want to talk to you about the great commission today. Um, so let's give people a little bit about your, your background. Um, where did okay. you grow up? Where are you from? Well, I grew up in East Liverpool, Ohio, which is about an hour from where I live today, down on the Ohio River. And I was raised up there in a Catholic background, never heard the gospel. And uh, long story short, some, some friends and I, after high school, decided to move up to Alaska to build a cabin and live in the woods for a year. And all of our plans fell apart, and we ended up basically homeless in Alaska, eating out of garbage cans. And uh, one day we saw this flyer that was hanging up that said, music in the park, something about Jesus, and free food. And so we went for the free food. Of course. And there, the people in the church opened their homes to us. The next day, uh, we ended up at church, and I heard the gospel for the first time. And my, myself, my friend... And my girlfriend, now my wife, all gave our hearts to Jesus on that day. That was in 1974. I don't believe I didn't know that about you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe I didn't know that. So... That's the short version. That's I'll give the sh- you the long version some other time. Okay, we'll stick with the short version for right now. I'm going to have to get you back to give me the long version of that story. Or maybe we'll talk about that off camera. I'll, I'll keep the camera rolling, though. So you gave your heart to Christ there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to jump forward a few steps then. So yep. you gave your heart to Christ. What followed What followed that? Like, what was your journey like after, at that point? Well, this was at kind of the tail end of the Jesus People Movement, which was a really a movement, a revolution of many, many young people coming to Christ in the late 60s, early 70s in our country, and actually around the world. 
And um, th- we were seeing many people come to, come to Christ. Almost weekly, there were new people getting saved. And if you were a Christian uh, two months, you were considered an older brother. They would say, hey, this guy just got saved today. Why don't you take him under your wing and help him grow in the Lord? And you might say, well, I don't know that much. And he says, well, you know two months more than he knows. So go, go disciple that person. So we were sort of thrown into, a, I don't know, just called a hotbed of, of growth. Uh, I remember being at the church, and uh, one, one Saturday a guy said, hey, we're going to go out and share the gospel. Come with us. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, we're going to go tell people about Jesus. You mean out on the streets? Yeah. And so it, it freaked me out. But this guy dragged me out there with him, and I just couldn't believe you know, the boldness that he just would walk up to somebody and begin to share the gospel of Jesus. And it just, I don't know, it, it did something with me like, wow, I want to be like that. And uh, I don't know, we were, we were just so involved in God's work. Well, this church where I got saved, they had so many people coming to faith in Christ, and they were wondering, God, what do we do with all these people? You know, we have all these guys that are young, and they're kind of chomping at the bit to do God's work, what do we do? And the Lord led the, um, the elders to the scripture about the sower and the seed. There's, there's two of them. One of them is the, the seed is the, the word of God and the, the ground is our heart. But the other parable, it talks about the seed being the children of the kingdom and the field is the world and the sower is the son of man. And so the, the, the elders of that church felt like God was directing them to take all these people like seed and scatter them and they just began to plant churches and probably i would say in about a 15 to 18 year period they started about 100 churches and they would just try to discern uh the call of god in, in someone's life to be a pastor and they would get up in church and make an announcement like next year eric's gonna go start a church in cleveland ohio uh, if you start praying, asking God if, if, if you should be part of that team, and they would form a team through the, through the year. And on a, on a given Sunday, you know, Eric, you'd get up and preach the message, and they'd take up an offering, give you the money, bring your team up. They would lay hands on you and send you off, and you'd go start a church. And uh, so my wife and I, we were part of a, a team that went to help start a church in Colorado Springs. And while we were there, we were there for about three years. And during that time, as I was growing in the Lord, I just began to sense that God was also calling me to do that kind of work. And we formed a team and moved to Alliance, Ohio, and started that church. So at what point would you say, while well, I'm being called to be a church planner and or a pastor? Yeah. Or were well, you just kind of flying, just flying in with faith? Or did you, did you know it's like, this is the path that God has for me? I didn't know. <clears throat> I, I've, I often look at my life as um, sitting in a car at night. And you can only see so far in front of you. You know, the headlights only shine out so far. And sometimes people get this feeling like, well, I don't, I don't see the road ahead. I don't want to move forward. I'm afraid to move forward because I wonder, is there... Is there a curve in the road? Is there a stop sign up there? And the only way you're going to know is if you move forward. You move forward with what you see. And so I would, re- I would always take and just do whatever is in my hand to do today, whatever it was. You know, maybe it was starting out with um, cleaning, the, cleaning the toilet at the church. 
and just being faithful in that ministry. Maybe it was teaching Sunday school class. Maybe it was, you know, helping paint, paint a room. It was just whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might was kind of a, I don't know, it was a, a scripture that really spoke to me in those early days of my walk with the Lord. And whatever it was, I wanted to be faithful and just, you know, I don't know, just be diligent about that work. And all of a sudden, one thing opened to another. So as an example, I, I would go out street witnessing with this brother. And it wasn't long before we led a few guys of the Lord. And I thought, man, maybe God's called me to be an evangelist. Because I love to do that. I love to go out and talk to people. I love to see people get saved. But then, you know, I felt like, well, these guys need to be taught some basic foundations. And so I asked the pastor if I could teach a, a Bible study with these new Christians, kind of to get them grounded. And um, he said, yeah, sure. And I said, I want to have an older brother with me in case I teach something wrong. You know, he can correct me because I don't, I don't want to lead anyone astray, you know. So we started a Bible study. And, and that forced me, in a way, to start digging more into the Word because now I was responsible to teach something. And so I began to study the Word more. And from there, I started thinking, well, maybe God's called me to be like a five-fold teacher because I loved, I loved to dig into the Word. I loved to be able to impart to others and teach them. But then, you know, spending time with these brothers, I started feeling like, um, you know, they have needs beyond just learning the Bible. You know, you got to be a pastor, be a shepherding heart, you know, love them and care for them in other areas. And so I guess slowly it was just like this, I don't call it a metamorphosis, but just by being faithful with what's in front of you, God led me down the road into finding what my calling was at that time in my life. But it was by doing what's in front of me today, beginning with evangelism, moving to teaching, eventually pastoral. And um, I think I think my calling to go start a church really came out of reading the book of Acts when the Apostle Paul and Barnabas left Antioch and they would go to a city or another city and they would preach the gospel, win disciples, and a church would form. And that's really what the model was for our church in Alaska, was to be like an Antioch ascending church to take teams of people to go, like Barnabas and Paul. So... It was from reading the book of Acts that I, I sensed God's call on my life and formed the team to come, come to Alliance. What it, so for anyone who may be listening right now, what advice would you give to someone who feels they're either called to plant a church or called to be a head pastor of a church? Yep. Well, um, I would say if you feel a calling to be a head pastor of a church or, or plant a church— First of all, go submit that to your elders. You know, talk to the, talk to the people who know you. Um, they are going to be able to give you good advice because they've walked those shoes. They've, they've walked in those shoes already. They, they understand what it's like. They hopefully know you. They know your character. They know maybe some areas of your life that need to be adjusted. Because, you know, all of us need to be submitted, you know, to others in our life. And so if you submit to others, say, hey, I sense this is what God wants for my life. Um, that's what I did. I, I came to the elders and said, I feel like God has called me to plant a church, but I'm, I'm yielding that to you guys. When you feel the time is right or, you know, you feel something needs to be changed or, or corrected in my life, you know, go for it. I, I want to be chiseled upon, you know, formed to be the person God's called me to be. So I think submitting 
that calling to other brothers that you trust that, that can walk with you through it? Because ultimately, if you go start a church, you want to be in partnership with the sending church. Like Paul and Barnabas came back to Antioch. It was like their home base. They would go out, do their work, and, and come back. So I think you know, submitting it to your, your pastor or other elders to help you walk through that decision um, other than that, I would say get yourself involved in the ministry now. You know, it's kind of like a guy that wants to be a missionary. He says, I feel called to go and be a missionary to China, but he never shares a gospel with a guy across the street. Well, what makes you think that if you're, what makes you think that all of a sudden, just because you're in China, you're going to be doing this great ministry if you're not doing it right here where you live? Exactly. And so I tell you, hey, start loving the people in your church. Uh, ask the pastor about starting a home group. Start a home group. See what it's like to, to shepherd a group of people, to care for them, to help resolve conflict. You know, take, take a project in the church that you can lead and direct to show uh, your strength in growing in administrative skills or delegation skills, things like that. that just ways to kind of prove yourself that I do, I do have certain gifts and talents and abilities to actually lead a church. It, there, there's ways to kind of test the water, so to speak. And you can do it right there in your, own, in your own church. It'll be a blessing to the church you're at, and it'll also help to be almost like a hands-on seminary. Because sometimes I think our seminaries, I'm not against seminaries, but sometimes we fill ourselves with head knowledge, but we don't really have the practical hands-on application that we really need. You know, most guys that come out of seminary, most of the things we learn in seminary, you never even deal with in a local church. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's the real-life, hands-on things that, that you have to learn how to do. And I'm with you because the education piece is important, but too much knowledge puffeth up, yeah. right? So how do I take what I'm learning and then apply it? You have to be faithful to yeah. what to where you are and what God has asked you to do right now in yeah. the in the season that you're in. Because yeah. you nailed it. Before you can go minister to a nation, what about your coworkers? What about yeah. your neighbors? Before yeah. you go serve a nation, are you serving the people who are in your sphere of influence Absolutely. right now? So, He who is faithful in much, or he who is faithful in the least will be faithful in much, the Bible says. Mm. And so take the little things you have, whatever they are, be faithful, and God will open the door for further things and you don't want to rush that that process either i think one of the things i've been grateful for about being a member of new life is i've been surrounded by solid men and women of god and just and i I give god credit for this because i wasn't always this way of just saying i need you to correct me i need you to pull me aside and say i don't think you should have done that or maybe you shouldn't have said that or um what was the motive behind you doing that? Yep. Or, hey, this isn't actually what the Bible means by this. Let's sit down and let's study this together so I can tell you exactly Amen. how to teach this this next time. You know, that kind of thing. So I think going in, which you can't go in by yourself. No. You know. That's such a healthy relationship to have, Eric. I mean, to have, have brothers around you that love you and you're open to have those kind of conversations. Because, I mean, none of us are beyond the need for being corrected. And uh, once we think we are beyond that need, then we're in real trouble. But to have people who gather around you that love you, who care for you, who can have those, you know, more difficult conversations, that's, that's invaluable. And I think everybody who wants to be in ministry needs to have that and continue in those kind of relationships through the years. Those are words that nobody wants to hear. 
in yeah. in in this era today is is correction and then obedience right yeah, like yeah. they it's this terrible thing but it's like no these are some of the these are those are two of the things that have made me successful in yeah. and helped with my longevity in ministry is just and again I, it's all the holy spirit because it wasn't i wasn't always that way before i gave my life to christ but just knowing that there is people who are willing, as long as you're willing to be corrected, yeah, amen. they will be willing to help you. Yeah, you know. So I think that's There's really people, important. There's uh, people right now in my life that have been with me, that were actually part of our team when we came here. They're still still in our church. They're they're uh, guys that speak into my life. I've known them for over forty years. You know, those are the kind of relationships you want, and. Uh, I don't know. Thank God for them. When they, when you have them, thank God for them. And you miss out on so much by not willing to be taught by someone else. Yep. You know, and I look at it as everybody has something to offer someone else, especially, you know, Paul told Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. Right. Just because someone's younger than me doesn't mean they don't have something right. to, to offer me. Yeah. And just because, you know, and I don't always equate age with spiritual maturity. No. You know, I don't, I don't always, I don't That's make that truth. mistake, you know. Um, that might be a podcast in itself. So. I think that would be a good one, yeah. You know what, you just gave me an idea. You just gave me an idea. So so you're the pastor at the uh, the Alliance Christian Center. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about No Place Left, because you brought this this to New Life Church, and it's changed the way that we're doing outreach and evangelism at our church. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, how it works, how it came about, and uh, if we want to, if someone's listening who wants to bring that to their church, what they can do. Yeah. Well, shortly before COVID hit, the pandemic, um, I was invited to uh, a seminar over in Pittsburgh, and there was a man that was going to be speaking there. His name was Curtis Sargent, who had been raised up as a child, as a missionary child in China. And the bio, when you're reading the bio, it says they saw like, I don't know, it was a million people come to Christ. I'm thinking, how in the world does that happen? And I just was, I was wanting to go hear this story. I, I, I don't know, I didn't know what to expect. I was expecting that this guy was going to be some kind of a flaming evangelist, you know, and has, you know, all kind of fire coming out of his fingertips. <laughs> I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. I would probably leave if I saw that. Yeah. I'd get nervous. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I went there and, uh, I mean, I would say this guy was probably one of the most, I, you know, I'm saying this, no offense, Curtis, but he was not, he was like a, a boring speaker. But I'm telling you, whatever he was saying was captive. He, he captivated my heart. Wow. And I'm sitting there because he's talking about the Great Commission. And I'm sitting there thinking, what in the world is going on with you, Kirk? You know, I don't know what it was. It was just like I sat there under such conviction. Here I'm, I'm thinking, man, I'm, I've just wasted my life. I'd been in the ministry by that time, I don't know, 40, I don't know, for 40 years. And, you know, you do, you do lots of good things. I mean, my life pre-COVID was, you could look at my calendar, I mean, it was like filled with this meeting and that meeting and this, the, this event and that event and all the kind of things that pastors do. You know, you get your life caught up in, in so many things. But I'm sitting there thinking, 
When's the last time I led someone to Jesus? Mm. Or when's the last time I even shared the gospel? You know, I mean, I, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even give you a date. I don't know. I just I came out of that meeting like so convicted. And I remember going back to my office and um, I started doing some research because he was, you know, he was sharing these principles about uh, these movements that, that were happening. They weren't revival. It wasn't like, you know, 10,000 people got saved. It was like one person, then another, and then multiplying, and then this, this exponential growth of, of disciples coming to faith in Christ, you know, and ordinary, ordinary believers, you know, coming to faith and then a week later leading their family to the Lord. You know, it's just all these kinds of things that were happening. I'm thinking, man, wonder, wonder why that doesn't happen here, you know, in America, I, I, or why can't it? And uh, so I began to, to do some research, and then, and then COVID hit. And COVID, I went from being, you know, this busy to having nothing to do. Because, you know, the church, we shut our church down for like eight weeks. You know, we were, we were doing our church service on Zoom. So I didn't have any meetings. There were no special events. Nothing was going on. We were just like, I'm sitting around, you know, let me, let me just do some research on these, these movements of God's work around the world and see what's going on. And uh, as I was doing that, I, I, I linked up with a few guys on some Zoom calls like, uh, who were investigating disciple-making movements. And um, in, one of these, in one of these calls, one of the guys threw out this challenge. He said, you know what you need to do is you need to go and do some listening prayer. You just need to go quiet your spirit and just ask Jesus what he wants you to do. Like, listen. Don't, don't be asking just listen. And Eric, I started doing that. I, I would go and I would, I would just, you know, like I say, I, my calendar was empty. I would just take some time and I would kind of put some background music on and I would just sit down. I would just, I would quiet my spirit. I would, I kept a notebook in case something came in my mind I had to do. I'd just write it down and get it out of the way. But every time I would do that, almost without fail, and I would say, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? He, he always said to me, I gave you one job. That's all, I mean, that, that was his only thing. I gave you one job. And I, I kept thinking of those memes you see right. on the internet. That's, you know, that's what you went have, through my head right now when you said it. Yeah, it was kind of comical to me in a way because I gave you one job. All I could see was a door that opens up into a toilet, you know, or something <laughs> like that. But, but I knew, you know, when he, was, when he would say that to me, I could just see Matthew 28 blazing up on my right in front of me here, I gave you one job. And I'm thinking, man, Lord, I've done everything but that. And, uh, I mean, I've led people to Jesus, and I've discipled people, but it was not my priority. So during the COVID time, you know, we met, our elders met a couple times, and, you know, one of the guys was saying, I can't wait till things get back to normal. And I thought, I said to the, I said to the guys, I said, do we want things to get back to normal? You know, is it, do we want to go back to the way it was? I mean, is that really what the Lord wants us to be doing? You know, what about this? What about this great commission here? And uh, so I ended up in my research, I found there were many different streams of, you know, groups that were trying to, to create momentum, 
around making disciples, and one of them was called No Place Left. And I love that. I love that the vision of No Place Left because it's this idea that it wasn't an organization, so to speak. It was just a vision that comes out of the Scripture, Romans 15, where where Paul was able to say to the people. I, from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is about a thousand miles, he said, I have fully proclaimed the gospel, and there is no place left for me to work in these regions. You know, and it wasn't like everybody was saved there, but he had gone and had planted multiple churches through his different missionary journeys and so on, that it was, there was a multiplying church happening in many different regions around there where he was able to say, there's nothing more for me to do here. There's no place left to work here. And that vision just, again, captured, captured this reality for me that, yeah, I don't, I'm not here to reach the whole world. Jesus will reach the world with many other disciples, but I'm, I live in this city. What's it going to take for me to be able to say there's no place left in Alliance? You know, if our church ceased to exist tomorrow, will our church, will our, will our, will our city even no. You know, will it be impacted in some way? And uh, so I, I reached out to a guy that I found living in Finley, Ohio, that was involved with No Place Left, the tools that No Place Left uses to make disciples. And I called him and I said, hey, what would it take for, for you to come over and train us so we can get out and start getting involved in the harvest? He said, I can come out there on a Friday or Saturday do a training and you'll be off and running. I said, let's do it. Come and do it. And so uh, a man by the name of Dave Rebnett came and spent a weekend with us and we did the first training in our church just like we did at yours. And we did two subsequent ones and we, we formed a team of people uh, from Alliance that are now uh, you know, practicing these tools in our own city but we're also going out to other churches to try to see as many people as we can become laborers in the harvest. You know, Jesus one time said in Matthew 9, that he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his field. And that's what really what we're trying to do by these trainings is we're trying to multiply laborers. You know, it's not about building my church. It's about building the kingdom. And we would train any church in our city, in the next city. You know, I'm, I'm in right now kind of locking arms with other guys around the state of Ohio. Our, our goal is to see teams raise up in every county in the state of Ohio so we can say there's no place left in Ohio. You know, there's no place left in the United States. But it's, it's going to take individuals who, who learn how to... Uh, share the gospel simply and not only that but also they have the ability to train somebody else how to do it because it's going to require multiplication we i can't do it myself you know you mentioned i think earlier on this podcast that you you felt called to be uh an evangelist for you know ephesians 4 evangelist which is an equipping evangelist doesn't mean that you're going to go out and share the gospel with everybody but you can equip people and you are being an answer to jesus prayer in Matthew 9, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. 
So that was really my introduction to No Place Left. It, it is something now that has captured my heart fully. And, you know, I think the, the urgency that I have right now is somewhat age-related. I don't know how many years I have left on the planet. I'm an older man. But I want to make sure that whatever years I have left, I'm given to the Great Commission. And um, so I've restructured my life. I've restructured my commitments, my calendar. I'm actually right now in the process of restructuring our church in some ways to free up more of my time to, to actually give to this, to this work. You know, it's, it's, it made such an impact on me. I gave you one job. That's all the Lord told me. I gave you one job. So I want to be able to say when I'm dead and gone, I, I did the one job, Lord, you gave me to do. <laughs> I've been going around visiting other churches in, in the area because part of the mission of, of Redwood is to inspire followers of Jesus who then inspire others to follow Jesus. Yeah. And then the vision of this, the nonprofit is to get out there and be the church. So. Yeah. We strengthen the church, the Christians, so that we can get out and spread the gospel. So right. we can get out and actually live out being the church. So you said something so good because if God doesn't necessarily want you at Lakewood New Life Church because he wants you at a church in North Olmstead, he wants you at a church at Akron, that's where I want you to because that's where you're going to thrive. Right. So I don't always tell people. I may tell people about New Life Church, but I, I may also tell them about your church. I may tell them about Remedy in Akron. I may tell them about Hope City in North Olmsted. I, right. it may, this may not be the place where God plants you to grow right. and flourish exactly. because we are one body. And I remind people that all the time, that Jesus is coming back for his bride. Right. Singular. We are one body in Christ. We all have a part to play. So let's make sure we link up arm in arm and get out there and do, do the work of the, of the Lord. So it's... I don't, I don't like the church silos, no. you know, and I just, I, I want to do, that's a part of what Redwood does. I mean, we need to break some of these walls down because I'm not even sure there, sometimes there is a wall and sometimes there isn't. It's just, why don't, why aren't we communicating? Why aren't we talking to each other? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we sharing resources? Why aren't we bringing conferences to each other's, each other's church? Like, why aren't we doing these things? You know? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I know it's, I know it's on the heart of Jesus for unity. He prayed for that in John 17 that they may be one as we are one. And um, I've never seen greater unity, honestly, among churches than I have within disciple-making movements. Mm. It's like there's, you know, we go out witnessing on our team now, there's people from different churches that go. You know, we take others with us from other, other churches in our town. And um, there's no competition. It's like... We're all we're all in the same field here. We're, right. we're playing for the same game, right? To see someone come to faith in Christ, and the things that the things that are the secondary doctrines that often become the things that that divide us become almost inconsequential in that in that arena, you know, because we're there for the souls of this person here. So, I think maybe at some level as the church rises up to be involved and become truly great commission Christians, that might even be one of the, one of the things that's a catalyst toward the kind of unity that Jesus really wants us to have, you know, just thinking it, just thinking it through. Right. 
I'm going to let you dive into this before I ask any more questions. I want you to talk about the Great Commission to whatever okay. length you feel fit right now. Okay. I want you to just to dive in and feel free. If you want to read the scriptures yeah. out of um, Matthew 28, 16, 16 through 20, um, yeah. I want to give you the floor to really talk about the, the Great Commission. Yep. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I'll start there. There were 11 people here. You know, Judas had left the Lord. You know, sometimes we have people leave us, and we get discouraged. We think it's the end of the world. But we always have what we need to do God's work. That's right. You might think, man, how in the world... I mean, I, most of us know what Jesus is about to tell these guys. He gave them this task that was really insurmountable, if you think about it from a human standpoint. Take this gospel to all the nations. And yet he did, to 11 people. So with the 11, they went to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. I want to say something about that. If we are going to be successful in being a Great Commission Christian, it begins with obedience. That's right. That's right. And they went to the mountain Jesus directed them to. Do what he tells you. You know, I, I have this picture in my house of Jesus. I've never really liked pictures of Jesus because who knows what he looks like. You know what I mean? And uh, I found this one, and it's Jesus. It's the back of Jesus as he's walking away. You don't see his face. You just see the back of his head and, you know, his robe, and he's walking. And I like it because it says to me, follow me. Mm. And that, to me, has to become the, the, the central part of our heart to be a Great Commission Christian is we have to say, you know what, I'm here for one thing. I'm going to follow Jesus. When Jesus told his disciples, when he called them, he said, come and follow me, and I'll do what? I'll make you fishers of men. So the fishers of men follows on our following him. It, it, they, they work together. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So that's interesting that these guys went where Jesus directed them. There's this heart of obedience that begins here. When they saw him, they worshiped. I mean, to me, to be a Great Commission Christian, you have to be somebody caught up with the, uh, the enormity of God, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They worshiped. And it says here, but some doubted. What does that mean? Does, does doubt remove us from the equation? Does, if, if we have doubts, does that mean we can't be used? If we have doubts, does it mean we can't worship? No. That's, that's just part of being a human being. Sometimes doubts come up. Sometimes things come up in our hearts that we have to struggle with, and we, we automatically pull ourselves out of the game. But he's, he's pulling these 11 guys together, and think about them. I mean, these are guys that were a short time before this, they were arguing among themselves about who's the greatest yeah. among us. You know what I mean? Right. You know, James and John come back from sharing the gospel, and they're saying, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven? Because they're not listening to us. And Jesus says, no, you know, this is not the right spirit, brothers. You know, this is not what we're here for. You know, you had, I don't know, th th these guys had their own issues. And yet... Jesus was calling them to do this ministry. And I think sometimes Satan will sideline us, 
put us on the bench because we're struggling with some area of our life. And rather than saying, Lord, yeah, I have doubts, but I still want to worship. And I have doubts, but I'm still coming to the mountain you tell me to come to because I want you to use me. I, w- I want to be used for your glory. I want to I be faithful to the call of God in my life. And so that's the reality of these men. They were flawed people, but yet the Lord was going to use them. Jesus came to them and said, when I read through this, this portion, I ask people these questions. So first Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Here's a question. Are you willing to give Jesus all the authority in your life? Mm. That's good. That's good. I'm talking about what's it going to take to become a great commission Christian? All right? It's going to take calling Jesus the Lord. It's going to take obedience to him. It's going to take the worship of him. It's going to take overcoming your own inhibitions or shortcomings. But it's going to take being able to say that, Jesus, I give you all authority in my life. All authority. That means there's nothing, there's nothing I'm leaving outside of that. I surrender to you. If you're not willing to surrender, you really can't be a Great Commission Christian. Hmm. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Second question is, are you willing to go? See, that's not a come and see. That's a go and tell. Go. That's good. And his authority is in heaven and earth, so we can go anywhere. We can go in our city. We can go in the city over there. We can go across the ocean because he has authority in the entire universe. So are you willing to go wherever Jesus wants you to go? Maybe it's just going to your neighbor across the street. Maybe it's going to your uncle, your aunt, or a, you know, a, a brother you have a, a bad relationship with and haven't talked to for the last five years. But just go. Go where Jesus wants you to go. He has the authority. He's telling you to go. So it's saying, Lord, where? Where do I go? Make disciples. Here's a question. Are you willing to make a disciple? You not just lead someone to Jesus, but are you willing to take them and help them become a student, a learner? Not of you, of him. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but they're pointing them to Jesus. That's right. So go, are you willing to go? Are you willing to make a disciple of all nations? I like that because the word nations there is really ethne. It's a Greek word ethne, which means people groups. And to me, this, this should break down all racial barriers and problems we have. You know, we, we sometimes pick and choose who we want to love and care for and reach out to. He says, I want you to go to all nations, no matter their color, no matter their religion, no matter what country they live in, whether they're rich or poor, male or female, bond or free. See, it's all people. There's there's no difference in Christ these days. And so here we should be willing to break down whatever barriers. When Jesus came to the woman at the well of Samaria, look at the barriers he broke down. You know, he was a man speaking to a woman, which that was unusual. He was a Jew speaking to a Samaritan. That was unusual. And so he broke those barriers down to reach this woman who needed to hear about the Messiah. And when she believed that Jesus was him or was maybe the one, 
She went and told her entire town. But Jesus broke down some barriers to get to that woman. So when he tells us to go to all nations, he's saying don't let anything, be, don't let any barrier stand in the way of you telling the gospel to this person. Are you willing to make disciples? Are you willing to break down those barriers, whatever they might be? Baptizing them. Are you willing to baptize them? You know, in, in some of these third world mission countries, Eric, you know, I don't know, I'm not, I don't know what your church does here. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure who's going to listen to this, but in the Bible, anybody could baptize. They found that there were some, some movements were getting stifled because they, they had a belief that only a pastor could baptize somebody. And so now people were getting saved and they were trying to somehow get this pastor around all the different places and the movement was slowing down. They need to realize that anybody can baptize. If you're, if you're a believer and you're a disciple, go baptize. You know, are you willing to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to teach them to obey all that I've commanded you? You know, the key, the key to that is teach to obey. Um, when I first read this, I thought, well, what are all the things that Jesus taught us to obey? And, and you could have a list of, you know, a hundred things, all, all the red letter things that Jesus wrote and anything else in the Bible. You could say that, that, that Bible study would be hundreds of pages long. But if you just teach someone to obey, that's really the simplest thing. If I can say to you, Eric, there's one thing that Jesus wants from you. You know what it is? It's obedience. If I can teach you to obey then you're going to go to the Word of God on your own, and you're going to read it, and you're going to study it, and you're going to have that heart that's yielded to the authority of Christ, and you're going to say, yes, Lord. So teaching people to obey. So often our discipleship is teaching them to learn. You know, we're, we're filling them with knowledge. And, and in America, we are, we are educated far beyond our obedience. And we, we know way more than we're walking in. And so the key to becoming a Great Commission Christian is be willing to do this what's called obedience-based discipleship not just knowledge-based but obedience-based in other words when you learn this in the scripture today what are you going to do with it you know what, what's what's going to change in your life because of what you learned today from Jesus and so it's moving people to respond to God's word in obedience and then Jesus said I am with you always to the end of the age and you know this, you know, I know Brianna mentioned this earlier, uh, and I have, to, I have to say amen. You know, Jesus promises to be with us, but it's as we are engaged in this work. That's just not a, that's not, not a blanket statement. I'm right. with you always. I'm with right. you in this. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, Jesus is out here. You know, when, 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 when Paul went to Corinth, if you remember when Paul went to Corinth, and he was about to run away from that town because of persecution. And Jesus said, Paul, don't leave. I am with you. I'm here. I'm with you. And I have many who are my people in this city. That's before many came to the Lord. And Jesus was saying, Paul, I'm right here. And I don't want you running. I don't want you going to the next town, even though you met a little bit of persecution here, because I have many people who are in this city. And I think the Lord is still, he's here. He's in Lakewood. 
he's out here and he's probably crying out to all the churches saying, hey, I have many who are my people in this city. I am here. Come and labor with me. We are laborers together with him. Jesus is at work in the harvest. All he wants us to do is come and take his hand. He'll lead us to the people. He'll show us the Corneliuses. He'll show us the, the Ethiopian eunuchs. He'll show us the woman at the well. He'll show us those people that he's trying to reach. He just wants us to labor with him. And to me, that's what it means to be a great commission Christian. It's being surrendered to Jesus. It's being on task with what he's on task with. It's knowing that he's in the harvest field already. I'm just coming to labor alongside of you, Lord. And it's learning to have that heart that's responsive and obedient to him in all things. I mean, that's the Great Commission. One of the things I love about doing this podcast is just we get to speak life. Like, this, thank you for, for doing that. That was phenomenal. I, I appreciate it. We get a chance to really just glorify the name of Jesus. Oh, and amen. It's, it's the, and you said it, I think you said at the start of this, it's the one thing that we, we've been asked to do. It's one thing. So why do you think that since it's the one thing we've been asked to do, it's not happening as often as it should? Well, I actually asked this man, Curtis Sargent, that question. You know, and he, he had been in America for some time trying to take the principles he learned in China, where they did see over a million people come to Christ and teach these principles here. I, and I asked the question in the seminar, why do you think this doesn't happen in America? And he said there's two things that he sees. One is our calendar. We're just too busy. And the second thing is our comfort zone. You know, we, we, uh, we're, we're afraid of what people might think of us or we're afraid that we don't have enough knowledge, we don't have enough understanding to debate, we, don't, we, don't, we can't answer all their questions. So it's, it's really about my comfort. I feel more comfortable not doing it than I would stepping out and doing it. And I think that's true. I mean, I think... I know for me, like I told you, I'm not trying to glorify this. It was just, it's a matter of a, making it a discipline. I have on my, you can look at my calendar here. I have on there every day, share the gospel. Mm. I have a constant reminder. It's an appointment on my calendar. Now, I don't, there's, there's days where I, I fail to do that. Like something came up and whatever, but it's on here every day to do it. And we make time. We cut time out of our schedule. It's part of our routine now. It's part of the rhythm of our life. We go out to share the gospel. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think if you, if you don't make it an intentional commitment, you'll never do it. So just like you might make time to do worship practice. I'm on the worship team. Great. Do you guys practice? Yeah, every Tuesday. Is that on your calendar? Yeah. So if I called you and said, do you want to go out to dinner Tuesday night, what would you tell me? I can't. I have music practice. Okay. Right. Well, what about the Great Commission? What if you were to do that, something like that, and say every Thursday or every Saturday morning for an hour, I'm going to go out and share the gospel, and you make it part of your life. So I think you have to deal with your calendar. It's either a priority or it's not. Mm. And the second thing, you know, the idea of the fear that you might have or your comfort zone, I think... You know, receiving some training, like we talked about, you know, and, and maybe even going out with another person who's experienced that you can learn by doing and learn by watching. 
can help you kind of navigate that, you know, kind of dip your toe in the water, so to speak, to start. But you got to start somewhere. And I'll tell you this, you'll start with fear. And, and, and if you do, you're, you're in good company. The Apostle Paul said, I came to you in fear and in much trembling. He, when he wrote to Corinthians, no, nothing wrong with fear unless you let it rule. But you break through that fear. And before you know it, when you go out and you find the Lord is with you and you begin to see these lost people, your heart begins to break. And what, what became a fear that you had to kind of force yourself to do becomes now a desire and an excitement about, I wonder who God's going to lead me to today. I wonder, you know, what, 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 what God's going to do out there when I talk to this person. And you, you kind of go out with this anticipation and excitement about what God might do that day. And, and we hear testimonies when we come back as a team and we say, what did God do out there today? And we hear all these mar- marvelous ways that God's working. It's just, that's so exciting. And then it, it kind of moves from there into this almost like an addiction. You know, he, Paul wrote to the household of Stephanas and said, you have addicted yourself to the ministry of the saints. And I think there, that, that word addiction is good in the sense of ministry. And so I, I found that to be my, the, ca- my, the case in my life. It, it came from, you know, stepping through fear to seeing this desire grow and, and excitement and anticipation. And now it's like, I just want to do it. It's like, a, it's, it's, it's like an addiction. I want to do it. When I see people, I want to tell them about Jesus. And uh, that's, been a, that's been an evolutionary process. But that happened because I cleaned up my calendar, really, what it, what it boiled down to. Busy doesn't mean productive. And often in my own life, I've seen my comfort has been the main stumbling block and hindrance to my growth. Yeah. You know, I see a lot of people may have full calendars. What are you busy doing? Yeah. And you, you prioritize what's important to right. you. Yep. You know, so what I've typically, to my your point, what I started to do is I've, I put everything on my calendar just to see exactly what I'm spending my time doing. It's a good thing to do. And I think some people may not want to see the realization of I am wasting time. Yep. I am, I am, I do spend more time watching TV than I want to admit. I'm not spending time with the Father. Yeah. You know, I ask people this a lot, like, how, how many days have you gone without praying or, or reading the Bible? You know, if you open up the devotional on the, a devotional on the, on the Bible app, for example, and you let it read it to you audibly, they're two to five minutes. Yeah. That's assuming you're not meditating on the scriptures and, and thinking about the topics that, that they're discussing. Why don't you have two to five minutes for Jesus yeah. a day? Right. And I'm not even saying that's all you should do. I'm just no. saying why you don't Minimally, have yeah. that time to just renew your mind with Jesus. You don't have two minutes for someone who died for you. I have to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, it's you're spot on. It's it's what are we where is our focus? Where are we are we are we looking? Because this is the main mission of, of the church. We're called to be the hands and the feet. We're called to get out there and do do the work. And he's going to be with us while we're doing it because it's yeah. the main thing he calls to do. Jesus himself prioritized this. Jesus prioritized it. You know, in John 17, I'm going to read that for you. Go ahead. This has been kind of a new insight to me, and maybe it's not to others, I don't know, but Jesus is praying. He said, um, Father, the hour has come. 
glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you've given him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to those you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And then he said this, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished, past tense, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Now, in the past, whenever I read that verse, I always, I always thought of the cross. I've finished the work you gave me to do. And I know that's, obviously, that's the, that's the ultimate. The, the cross had to be done. But he's speaking as a past tense that I've, I've accomplished the work. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go to the cross when I've accomplished what you gave me to do. And I think what Jesus is talking about here is that he's created this team of disciples who are now going to take the gospel to the world. He's leaving. Yeah, he's going to die on the cross to make it possible for the sins to be forgiven. But he's not leaving without having prepared a group of people who will take this message. It is the task. And some scriptures support that, I believe. He says uh, in verse 6, I manifested your name to the people whom you gave me. Yours they were. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I've given them the words you gave me, and they've received them. They've come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you gave me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. They're staying here. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I've, I've guarded them. I have not let one of them be lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. I've preserved them. And now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I've given them your word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me, so I have sent them. I I really believe that what Jesus is saying, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do, Father. I have preserved these these 11 men. I've preserved them. I've kept them from the evil one. I've given them your word. I've given them your name. I've watched over them. And now I'm going away. Protect them from the evil one. As you sent me, I'm now sending them. And so when you say that's the thing the church should be doing, that's the thing. Right. And we're, 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 we're just really carrying on what these guys started. That's all we're doing. I try to tell my – because – as much as I tell people or it's been told to me, you know, you have the gift of an evangelist, you have the gift of a five-fold evangelist, sometimes it's even uncomfortable for me to still get out and do it. I've had, you know, you just kind of get that inkling inside of you when you're, like, in the grocery store, you're in the park, and guys like, go talk to that person. Yeah. I've had that happen, and it is uncomfortable even for me, and I've done it over and over again. because, And sometimes you don't feel like doing it, and then the Holy Spirit's like, you don't feel like doing what? Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, you know, or you don't want to do what? for the kingdom and you just get that little reminder but through that obedience i've seen people's lives get changed i've seen people because sometimes 
God has sent me to witness to folks who don't know him. And other times he's seen me to go talk to people who I didn't know where they sat in their journey with God, but then I've seen them get plugged into other places, other churches, and now I'm seeing them thrive. Right. And it's, I'm not taking credit for it. It's no. the, it's just me sometimes immediately being obedient to the spirit, or sometimes there's a slight delayed <laughs> obedience there. I'm arguing myself in the grocery store aisle, like, I don't want to go talk to this stranger. <laughs> I don't want to go do this. Though I know that's disobedience, though, as it was delayed. We got there eventually, but. Well, here's uh, the thing. There's people out there that God is working in. Mm-hmm. We don't see it. It's an invisible thing. Right. And you could pass by a person on the street and just, like, like think of the woman at the well. She's th- sitting there talking to Jesus. And what, what he did that day is he sent his disciples into the town to buy some bread. And they came back with the bread. But when this lady heard that Jesus might be the Messiah, she went and told the, the entire town about him. And they came out of the town to see Jesus. And what did Jesus say to the disciples? He said, don't say four months and then the harvest. Look, the fields are white unto harvest. I, I think he's saying that as these people are coming up over the hill to see him. His disciples didn't see the harvest. All they saw was their task. I'm going to get the bread. And they walked into that same city to get the bread. And they walked away with no souls. And this woman went down there because she had been touched by Jesus, and she told everybody. And many believed because of her. Then they came out, and they heard Jesus, and many more believed because they heard the words of Jesus. That's the, that's the question, is what do you see when you're out there? Do you just see my daily task? I'm getting my groceries. I'm getting my gas. I'm getting my... Do you see just that? Or do you have eyes to see the harvest? Because it is white. You know... You have, you have Cornelius, who's a man who's seeking God. He's, he, he didn't know Jesus. He's seeking God. And God sends Peter to tell him about Jesus. The Ethiopian's a man who's seeking God. He's going to the temple to pray and to worship, and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. He doesn't know Jesus. And God sends Philip there. So, yeah, we've got to just learn to be able to, to hear God speak to us and guide us to individuals here and there that he's working in already. They just need to hear that message about Jesus. If Jesus can be the visible form for an invisible God, then we, the body of Christ, yep. can be that visible form for an invisible Jesus to someone who may not yep. know him. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the ways we can we can look at that is to live life on mission for where we're already going. Yeah. You know, I think it we're always going somewhere. We're you know, we're always doing something. There's 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 someone in that restaurant. There's someone at the gas station. We're going to the gym. We're going to the grocery store. It's looking at life as a mission field. And mm-hmm. I've said this to people before, that one of my, my daily prayer is, God, use me today. Use me to serve you today. Use me to be a blessing to someone today. Amen. Use me to lead someone to Christ today. You, because like you, I want, one day I woke up and I just said, when was the last time God used me to lead someone to Christ? Yeah. Like, when was the last time I prayed? to actually lead someone to the Lord. You know, so I think that, to, and I, I, I get up in the morning, I say, God, use me for whatever mission you have for me today. But I think it is a, a, a mindset, a heart condition to live life on mission and not for just my day-to-day, my day-to-day calendar. You know, and if it is, what is on my day-to-day calendar goes right back to, to that point we made earlier. So. Yeah, amen. 
So, and I, you've talked, you touched on this and talked about this, but I, I want to ask this question. How important is it that people share their faith and share the gospel of Jesus? Well, one, one thing it does say in the book of Revelation that uh, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I think in some ways the word of our testimony is a strong defense against the enemy. The blood of the Lamb is one thing, and the word of our testimony is another. I think that's important. Um, I also believe that it comes down to obedience. You know, with Jesus, e- either he's your Lord or he's not. Mm. Oh. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? And I know that we, we have a lot of reasons we use as excuses for not being involved in the, in the harvest, whether it's, well, there's, there's evangelists who do that, or right. our church has a program, or we, you know, we pay pay for the missionaries to do that, or whatever it might be. But no, he wants every one of us. I mean, statistics are that there's, I think it's 95% of Christians have never won a person to the Lord. Think about that. 95%. And if that's true, then we have, we have in our churches all around America a huge resource, untapped resource, if somehow we could equip them, train them, help them gain the confidence, you know, the competence to actually go and share, give them incremental steps like start with this, you know, pick, pick three or four neighbors and just start praying for them. Just everybody can pray. And maybe the next thing you can do is start to show an act of love, an act of kindness. You know, the Great Commission is also part of the Great Commandment. You know, love God and love your neighbor. And maybe you can start out with just, I'm going to pray for people, and I'm going to go out and show them some love, and then ask the Lord to give you the opportunity to share the good news, you know? But we can all be involved. Be involved as a prayer warrior. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. But everybody needs to be a great commission Christian. I, don't, I, just, I just don't think your obedience to Christ is fully settled if you're not making disciples. And I think that's one of those things you can you can pray about too, because to me, sharing your faith is the difference of life and death. Yep. And I think it's one of those things you can pray about is pray for that opportunity. Yep. God, give me the opportunity to get out and win souls for you. And I believe that again, I've said this so often that He doesn't commission us to do something He didn't equip us to do. Right. Right. You know, those people are in your sphere of influence for a reason. So I think that we can just pray, Lord, show me, give me the words, because he'll give it to you, but give me the opportunity. We can pray that those doors be open. Mm-hmm. If, if, the great, if Jesus said to go do this, why would he not give us the tools we needed to get out there to go do it? Are we asking for the opportunity? Are we looking for the opportunity? And are we willing to be obedient to step out and do that? Yep. These all play a key factor in it. That's true. You know, you have to be willing to be embarrassed, you have to be willing to walk in humility, that your pride is not as important as a person's soul. You know? So good. That's really what it boils down to. But as I said before, when you, when you take that step out there and you find that person that God is really working in, I mean, your heart is so, I don't know, it's just like there's, you'll go home probably more excited 
for that conversation than anything that ever happened to you that day because you saw the Lord move in the life of another person. It's just amazing to see. I remember one of the first times I led someone, the God used me to lead someone to Christ. I called Pastor Bob on the phone. It was probably like 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I know he's like, Is everything okay? It was like one of those answers yeah. the phone. I said, Bob, I just listened by to Christ in Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> and I know like I was by like I remember the excitement. Then I remember the excitement in oh, his yeah. voice too. Like Amen. there is, there is just something about that it gets your soul alive. Like it is better than than any drug. Like it is just something about that just really stirs you up. When so it, it resonates happens. with the Lord. I mean, right. all the angels of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. I mean, that resonates with all of heaven. Right. And the his, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, man. It's going to resonate with Him. To, we we don't have time to dive into that, but that's why I tell yeah. people be careful what you expose yourself to because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. These are the, the eyes of the windows of the soul. You got to be careful we what yeah. we're letting in. But yeah. to that, the opposite. Of, well, I don't want to say the opposite, but to the other side of that too. When you're doing the work of the Lord, yeah. and you can just feel your spirit just ready to jump out of your body right. like that. That right. is a feeling like you. <laughs> I can't even explain the excitement that that brings. So, it yeah. is phenomenal. So I, I ask every guest okay. these, these questions. So I want to I get your take on this. So what motivates you? I heard this from a guy by the name of Steve Addison. He's a, 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 an author. He writes about movements. And I, sh I saw a video he shared one time that just really impacted me and I, it, because it resonated with me. And I think it's my motivation. He... Uh, he showed a picture, a painting, of the Apostle Paul when he was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. He's laying on the ground. His sword is laying over here on the side. He's got uh, some guy who's maybe his servant holding his horses, like the steed. He's holding the horse there. And you, you just get this picture that Paul, Paul's whole life just got unraveled in front of him. Hmm. You know, he just ran into... The Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't even, doesn't even know him. You know, who are you, Lord, he asked. He ran into the king of the universe. Now, Paul was going to Damascus with the authority from the priest to throw people into prison who were followers of Jesus. But Jesus had a different plan. Jesus had a purpose for Paul's life that was 180 degrees the opposite of what Paul had in mind. And he knocked him off his horse. And he said, when you see that picture... That's all you have to see to know that Jesus is in control of this thing. It is his work because he called Paul to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was going to destroy the church, and God was going to use him to spread the church. Mm. And so when you see this picture of Paul laying down there, you see that Jesus is in charge. And I think that that's what motivates me, is that Jesus is in charge. You know, when I, when I was challenged with this, I gave you one thing. I gave you one job. I had to say, yeah, Lord, you're in charge. I, I, I was in charge of my life. I was in charge of my account. I was in charge of my things. I wasn't really surrendering all that to him. But Jesus is in charge. He's at work in this world today. And, um, you know, the, the picture I told you about where I'm standing there, I see Jesus walking forward, and he's saying, follow me. That motivates me. I want to go where you are, Lord. I, I want to run into the woman at the well. I want to run into 
Cornelius. I want to run into the Ethiopian. I want to run into Lydia at the river. I'm not going to be able to do that unless I'm hearing you, unless I'm following you, unless I'm willing to do what you want me to do. So it's that, it's that lordship of Christ, I think, is the motivation behind all this, to see Jesus glorified, to see his work accomplished on the earth. That's, that's probably the strongest motivation I have. So now I'm curious for this answer. So why do you do what you do? Why do I do what I do? Well, honestly, I think it's, uh, it's partly the urgency of my age. Hmm. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe that. When I told you earlier today, I, I felt like I wasted a lot of my life. And in, in some ways that's true. But I also know that the Lord's timing about bringing changes in our life is his timing. And I don't think it was a mistake that I ran into Curtis Sargent at a certain time in my life and the COVID hit at the right time to make me just reevaluate everything. I don't know, it just, you know, the, the Bible talks about how the Lord is able to take the years the locust has eaten, you know, and restore them. And I feel like, yeah, I, my life is largely over, you know. I mean, I have some years left. Well, who knows? I may, be, I may be gone tomorrow, but I have some time ahead of me, I hope. But I want to use it for this, for the Great Commission. I, I want that to be, I want to do the one thing, you know. Nothing else really matters to me at this point. If, if we're not doing that, even as our church, if we're not doing that, what are we? Are we really the church? You know, so I want to help our church embrace these things. You know, I'm not trying to force it on anybody, but I want to make it. I want to make it available. I want to make it so people can be uh, who want to be involved can, and then we want to go into the harvest and gather more and continue to multiply the group. But I do it. I think it's a, a certain sense of urgency. I think it's part of it. You know, the other urgency there is. Uh, you don't know you don't know how long people have to live before they hear the gospel. This past week, my one daughter was called by a by her brother-in-law who lives down in Kentucky. That they have a, a cousin up here that's on his deathbed. He 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 just needs doesn't know Jesus. He's dying of cancer. He's on, on at the end. And my daughter and she's not really that bold with the gospel. She's very you know backward kind of a shy person. She went over there and shared the gospel, and the guy got saved, and she spent the next couple of weeks just ministering to him. He died, he died just the other day. But she was so, I mean, it's like she knows he's with Jesus. His family didn't really care for him. His family had just, they, they'd, they'd had run-ins over the years. It was just, there was, he was basically alone. And it took a call from a, a, a brother-in-law way down in Tennessee to call my daughter to go up there and share the gospel. That's why we do it, because there's people dying like that every day. I, I have a friend that's uh, a, uh, he's a chaplain for hospice in our, in our town. He came to visit our church this past Sunday, and I was talking to him right before the service. He goes, this past week I led three people to Jesus, and they're on their deathbed. You know, he says, I, I, he, said I, he was a pastor for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. He says, I just feel like I'm right in the center of God's will for my life right now. I'm... I'm meeting people at the end of their life. They know their time is short, and, and I'm able to lead them to Jesus and maybe even some of their family members. And that's why we do it. 
it's because it's it whether a person responds to Jesus or not really does mean that that's an eternal destiny they're either going to heaven or hell so that's that's a motivation I don't know there's there's several different reasons I mean I another one is just is really being obedient to the scripture you know um I don't know. I, I can't say as I, 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 mean, I, I think Brianna said this too, and I have to agree. It's hard for me now to read the scripture without seeing the purpose of God all over the pages and the gospel and, you know, preaching the gospel, the good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. I, I, you just can't get around it. One, I want to um, obviously extend condolences to you and your family for, for the loss. So thank you for even I, – I, that's a real-life application, the importance of the gospel. So thank you for, mm-hmm. for sharing that. The other thing I want to say is I want to speak forth long life over you. So well, I'm going to go ahead. I, I'm, I don't know if I can say, like, Old Testament years. I don't know if that's even still a thing. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. So, um, But I want to, to say thank you for everything that you, you shared today. This has been phenomenal. Um, and just your, your transparency and your love for, for the mission that Jesus uh, has called the church to do. This has been inspiring for me to even sit here and hear. So and thank you well, for thank bringing. thank you for, for having me, and I really appreciate the opportunity. I see a good heart in you, Eric, and I'm glad to see how the Lord's moving you and stirring your heart. Um, I guess any last words I have is, you know, if there's anybody out there who wants to, to be trained, who wants to learn, we're willing to go. You're willing to go, I'm sure. We'll, we'll go anywhere. We want, we, want, we want to be able to pass on what we've learned. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. So if there's anybody out there interested in learning, you know, the simple ways to share the gospel, we're, we're glad to come. We can come to your church. We can meet you face-to-face. We just want to see laborers raised up in the harvest. You, know, you can put my, my phone number, my church on there. You can reach out that way. Uh, you can go to noplaceleft.net as a website that has some training opportunities on there all around the country. So even if you're living in other places, you can find people who are doing this. You know, um, I just want to, I want to lock arms with people that are wanting to do this. I want to see no place left in Ohio. And uh, it's just people like you. Amen. Praise God for that. I appreciate it. Uh, so even though you said those are your last words, Okay. I'm still going to make you do okay. the final segment of okay. the show. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is our let them know segment. So you okay. can share anything you like with the audience, even if it's you want to pray us out, even if it's just a, a word of encouragement, whatever the case might be. Sir, please let them know. Okay. Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, I've known the Lord for about 40 how long has it been now? 45 years, 46 years now. And my love for him has, gr- has grown. You know, I know sometimes we get, we go through struggles, and I've, I've had struggles in my life. But I mean, I tell you, I love Jesus with all my heart. And that's probably my strongest motivation. Just love him. And 
that's the greatest commandment of all. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. If you don't, you know, if you have a hard time just loving Jesus, loving him. I just pray that would be, you know, one of your greatest focuses for your Christian life is just falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with his word. And when you love him, your obedience to him is easy. You know, he's not a taskmaster. Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Hmm. And that love of Jesus allows obedience to become easy. It's, it's a desire. You know, it's something we want to do. You know, so often we find that people balk under the idea of, when they hear the word submit or obey or for whatever, we, we want to toss that off. That's just, that's the sin nature. That, that's what Adam and Eve did, you know. But when we love the Lord, I don't know, that stuff goes away. You know, and the desire for obedience becomes stronger. So that's been my journey. I'm not perfect in it by any means, but uh, my hope for anybody who's walking with the Lord, that as your time with the Lord goes from one year to five years to 10 years, 50, that you wouldn't let the world allow you to become bitter. You wouldn't be drawn into the ways of the world. I mean, there's, there's many who start with the Lord, like the grass that grows up, mm-hmm. the seed, and it gets ch- choked by the weeds and some on the rocky soil. I just pray that, that that soil of your heart is constantly plowed up so the seed of God's word will grow and reproduce again in your life. And don't let relationships, don't let discouragements, don't let bad things that happen to you deviate you from loving him. You know, we talked to so many people today. I, I don't know how many times, Eric, I've talked to somebody in the last year that they have a thing against the Lord because somebody in their family died. It just, you know, as soon as something bad happens, we immediately turn against him, you know. Uh, I, I pray that wouldn't happen to you. I pray that, you know, you would keep your heart soft to the Lord always, and no matter what you have to experience, like just like Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the Lord. You know, when you don't understand, Peter said, where else can we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. You know, just kind of like giving yourself to him fully. Um, and my prayer is that the, the hallmark of your life would be you love Jesus. You're a lover of God. I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest commandment. It's been my experience. I love reading about him. I love the Gospels. I love the stories. I love getting to, to know him more. I love working for him. You know what I mean? It's like I love, I can't wait to see him face to face one day. And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. But uh, I just want to encourage you to love God. I, I see, you know, here's another, uh, another thing about love, and I'm done. No, you're good. This is your moment. John, you know, John was that disciple that came back and said, let us call down fire from heaven, Lord. And, you know, when he wrote his epistles, nobody spoke more about love than John. Something happened in that man's life. You know, and it, you know what it was? Is he, he'd spent time with Jesus. That's what it was. He, he came away from being this fire and brimstone type individual. 
to where he just writes about the love of God. And uh, I think that's just, that's just time with Jesus that makes that happen. So my last words to, to anybody is I hope that you will grow in the love of God and that all of your life will just spring from that. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Would you mind closing us out of prayer for this? Thank you. Dear Jesus, I do love you, and I know these brothers love you, the brothers and sisters on this video. I'm sure that many of them know you. Maybe some don't, Lord. If that's the case, I pray that they will know you soon, Lord. I know you love us. That's why you died. You gave your life so we could have that relationship with you. I pray that the things that were shared today would be beneficial, that someone would just hear a word here or there, and it would just spark something inside of them that says, hey, I want to be obedient. I want to be a great commissioned Christian. I pray that would happen for many on this, on this video, Lord. Thank you for Eric, for his heart, to see this unity within the churches, Lord God, to see us all locking arms and working together for the work of your kingdom. I pray that would come to reality for him, Lord. The vision he has for this particular ministry would just grow and flourish. And also his work here in the church, the local church here, that would also find root and grow and multiply. I ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, drive safely on your way back home. We'll, we got to get you back on here in the future to cover. Okay. We'll, we'll figure out what we're going to cover. So okay. We'll let the Holy Spirit tell us what to do. Amen. I'm not going to pick that topic right now. So. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Eric. Thank appreciate you so it. much. I appreciate having you. Looking forward to seeing you again. Amen.